is good to see you all tonight. It really is. Uh, it's great to uh, share some of this with those online who I don't get to see. I know that some from out east and out west. Uh, we love hearing from you too, by the way. Uh, feel free to shoot us an email. Let us know uh, what's going on in your life so we can uh, celebrate that with you or pray through that with you as well. Um, so tonight here uh, in the room, want to... Uh, we just want to kind of recap where we were the last couple of weeks. We're spending uh, a couple of weeks in Philippians. It was sort of unknown to me that that's where we would be, but uh, I think we're going to be there for t- this week and yet and next week yet. And just learning what uh, what God was saying to the Philippian church through Paul it matters for our lives today. And so I would ask and say, hey, we'll do a pop quiz. What did we talk about in week one? But, uh, you know, we tried to make them rhyme, you know, that you would know him, that you would grow in knowledge and discernment, that you would overflow with love uh, for those around you as a result. Last week, we talked about living life on purpose, that you would live for the gospel, that you would live for Christ, and that you would live for eternity. And tonight, we're going to take a look at Philippians 2. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. Go to Philippians 2. You can uh, flip over to there while we're while we're getting, uh, getting kind of the introduction uh, underway. So, um, but before we get to Philippians 2, before I get there, I wanted to, uh, uh, I wanted to just sort of preface uh, where we're headed tonight. Do you, have you noticed that our world is very divided? I mean, we pretty much, you live under a rock if you don't recognize the division. Uh, we also um, see a lot of like hostile disagreement in our world. And uh, it's not just a difference of opinion or a difference of information. It's like a collision of like settled minds and feelings about topics and issues. People have like, they've dug their heels in. They, they have a settled uh, mind and feeling about a topic and an issue. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I th- we, we see it everywhere. We see it in culture, uh, especially now, you know, uh, even, even here with our election. You know, there's, there's these settled feelings and thoughts about politics in general. Uh, some of the politicians, I uh, was knocking on doors in Simcoe, and there was this, I think she was in her 90s. Uh, Nate could correct me, but uh, she, we were asking her, and she's, she starts talking about, well, uh, I'm a liberal. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, do you know who the liberal uh, candidate is? No, but my dad and granddad both all voted liberal, and so I'm going to vote liberal as well, keep the family tradition. And we're like, all right then, you know, it was like, we just, sweet old lady was like, oh, okay, we're, we're just, we, there, there was no wiggle room whatsoever, it was like dialed in, not always in a bad way, but just her mind was settled, I mean, you don't want to argue with 91 years of history, so, you know, but then, you know, you look at the past two years, you know, you know there's, there's people whose minds have been settled over over, you know, what, what it was all about. There's differences of that, whether the mandate should or shouldn't be, uh, the vaccines, etc. What, you know, what's all this really about? So the, our culture, they, they, they uh, are, have, have been entrenched in some of those polar opposite things. Their minds are settled. And then worldviews. I, I even just, so I've been reading some um, books that are by authors who are not believers and looking at the worldview that they have of, of, of socialism where their, their belief is that humanity itself is the most important thing. This group in the room is much more important than just the individual members. So if it's good for the group to like get rid of Chris Stone and George Bauma, well then that's what we need to do because it's better for the group. And then there'd be some of us who are like, wait a second, Chris Stone and George Baum are like, they're created in the image of God. That's not up to us to decide whether they can. There's something about liberty and, and freedom and bodily and, and, and um, emotional and spiritual autonomy of each individual person. 
It's the person that matters. It's the person in the womb. It's the person in uh, long-term care. It's, it's, it's the person that matters. And you have these two very strong opposing worldviews that have sort of, they're settled though. They're settled in their minds. It's hard to get people to switch from one to the other. And so as a result of not being able to, um, to switch and being settled, you get these collision courses and so what do we say? It's a settled way of thinking and feeling about someone or something. And it's typically one that's reflected in a person's behavior. That's kind of how I would say we look at, I would say, maybe I'll ask that question. Do you think that everybody could fall into the category in some way of having a settled way of thinking and feeling about someone or something and typically one that's reflected in that person's behavior? Would we agree that everybody falls in that category? Yeah, well, I didn't come up with that. That's actually the definition of this word called Attitude. Everyone has attitude, and Jordan actually knew. That's great. Uh, we, ha- we all have this, attitudes. We have settled ways of thinking, settled ways of, of, um, uh, of feeling about certain people, certain things, certain topics, certain issues. We have these settled things. It's just called attitudes. Are attitudes bad, good? Well, it depends. Are they right? We can have these attitudes. We all have them, but are they right? And I'm just going to take a look at tonight, because maybe they are. And then you need to hold on to it. But maybe they're not. And we have to take a look at it. We can have the wrong attitude about a bunch of things. And you know, you know when your kid has the wrong attitude, they have this face right here. You know, it's like the parent to the child. And it's like, don't give me that attitude, right? And it's like, that's the attitude you, 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 know, you don't want. But then for those who are old enough to remember Patti LaBelle, uh, and uh, maybe Dr. Laura Schlesinger, she would have this show online. She had this song, always the bumper song from Patti LaBelle. Ooh, 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 I've got a new attitude. Yeah, she sings it better than me, that's for sure. But I've got a new attitude, right? Like, I, I feel different from my head to my shoes. I've got, I've got a new attitude. I've, I've changed something. And, and, and I, I would submit that that ability to change an attitude, to change a... Not, see, when we think of attitude, we think of like, oh, those things. But to change a settled way of thinking of something... That we have the ability to change that. And so we're going to try again to give you the three points of tonight. So if you have a piece of paper, you're going to take notes. Here's the the three. Here's where we're going tonight. Number one, we're going to talk about an attitude check. Second, we're going to talk about an attitude adjustment. And third, we're going to talk about attitude inspiration. And before you think this is like a parenting course, you know, or like a, a TED talk or like some inspirational, motivational speech or positive thinking message, it is none of those things. Because I have to ask this question, why does it matter? Why does attitude matter? Why does our attitudes matter? Why do we talk about it at church and with the church? Because we all know that division and disagreement and wrong attitudes never happen at church. Wouldn't you agree? It's like magic. As you walk through those doors, this happens. It's like, you know, it's like magic. Everybody, everybody smiles and everyone agrees. Everyone always agrees. Let's say it together. You can't. I love it. Thank you. You know, it's like, but you're like, no, 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 no. Church has been some of the places where I've had my biggest disagreements. Some of you are like, amen. <laughs> Do you know, I think when people are like, think, oh, you know, this, this doesn't really apply, you know, to church. They forget that church is made up of people who have settled thoughts and ways of thinking and settled feelings on different topics and issues. And you know what's interesting? It's the same ones we just listed. Politics and politicians, even in the church, there's this thing. The past two years, there's these settled thoughts and opinions. Um, the worldviews, even. There's, there's, there, it's crazy how many people in church have, have um, non-biblical worldviews. And we've talked about that at the beginning of this year. But that's the thing is like the church levels it up. 
It's not that we just have those things to disagree about. We add our own, like worship styles. You know, there got to be more hymns. And some are like, well, that's not politically correct. You know, if there's no hers, we're not having any hymns. And, you know, that's it. We're not, we're not doing that. And, and the others are like, no, it's got to be like the, the songs we can feel. How to do kids' church. It should be this, you know. And they should be sitting upstairs with their parents and, and being the church. And others are like, it's about the doctrine and the theology. And like, well, which? Reformed or like, you know, and there's all kinds of this stuff that we, we do and we we have these settled ways of thinking and feeling you know we might not be able to fix culture we may not be able to fix it all guaranteed we can't but i believe that paul's uh, encouragement to us as a church is that we need to be looking at it in the church in the and not in the whole church especially though in the community of church so let's go there actually i told you philippians 2 but before we go there we're going to do philippians 4 we're going to jump jump ahead and come back you, you can read this one on the screen if you want. Philippians 4, verse 2. Here's, Paul's, here's, here's where Paul's kind of finishing his, his letter, but he says this. Now I appeal, or I beseech, Yodia and Sintich. Those are strong biblical names. Chris Stone, if you guys choose to have another child, I think one of these two should be, you know, or anybody. What a great, what a great name. Um, and then you can tell me how to pronounce them. So then it's, uh, he says this. I appeal to you two ladies, please. Because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, who he's writing to, who the pastor, the leader of the church, to help these two women, for they've worked hard with me in telling others the good news, and they worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. He, he, in other translations, he's like, I beseech of you. Uh, you know, just for fun, you should try and use that word sometime, you know, in the grocery store or wherever you find yourself this week. Just see what happens. I beseech. But do you know what that means? It's like, I'm like pleading with you. And what's interesting is if you read this, as Paul writes it, he's like, I plead with you. We're just going to call them something else. Patty and Jenny. He's like, I plead with you, Patty. And I plead with you, Jenny. I'm beseeching both of you. There's not like, I haven't, there's no sides. I'm, I'm, I'm desperately asking both of you to, uh, I would say, to have an attitude check. You have strong thoughts and feelings about something that have led to this division that I've heard about and I'm writing the letter to you. Please, please. And it actually writes the word, come to the same mind. Come to the same attitude is what he's asking them. And he's asking this other person to help them get there. And so when I think about that attitude check, I can't help it, but every time I hear the word attitude check, I go all the way back to 1993 like it was yesterday. I was in teen missions. I know, anybody, anybody here, like you were born after 1993? Wow, right? So back in 1993, you know, when I was just a little uh, wee when I was 15 years old, my parents sent me off for this whole summer to go to a mission trip in Venezuela. And uh, on the way there, I had to go to this boot camp in, uh, in Florida, uh, and it was called Teen Missions Boot Camp. And we had this big tent, and it was pretty awesome. And when I got there, I got my team number, and it was 93007. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like the James Bond of missionaries, right? I'm like, this is great. I'm like, it's destiny. I'm going to own this boot camp. And then, and then they made us sleep in tents with bugs. And like, it was, it was terrible. I hate camping. And, and then they wake you up really early. And they drag you all to this place where they, they line you up with a bunch of like, a bunch of teenagers who like all are allergic to the early morning. And they line 30 of them up along with other teams in this obstacle course. And they're like, all right. This takes 20 minutes to complete, if you can complete it. They're all like, what? And then they have the, the marshals, the course marshals there. And they would ask you this question. They would say, attitude check, how do you feel? They're like, oh, we feel tired. And they're like, wrong answer. 
I'm like, what? They're like, no, when we ask attitude check this day one, like your response is, I feel good. Oh, I feel so good. Uh. <laughs> so do you want to try it with me? Attitude check. How do you feel? I feel so good. Ugh. You doing it online? I hope so. Not while you're driving, but I know. So I'm like, we're like, what is this, right? Like, this is, this is strange. And then we enter this obstacle course that was like straight from hell, I would say. It was not good. Like, you have to run through, and so they have these tires, and this is actually pictures from there. You had to run through these tires, and you had to shout out the ten plagues for some reason, like flies, gnats, boils, whatever, as, you, as you're running through. And if you fall, you go start over. There's a marshal there, and they make you start over. And if you miss a tire, back to the beginning, start over. And if you don't remember all of the ten plagues, start over. Some of us, we spent the whole 20 minutes the first time on this. And at the end, they're like, you didn't make it. How do you feel? I'm like, Ugh. attitude check. How do you feel? I'm like, I feel defeated. And like, wrong answer. How do you feel? Oh, I feel so good. Uh, yeah, you're going to remember this. We're, we're doing audience participation. So, but we did this every day, like for weeks. So pretty soon we got the 10 plagues or you just murmured watermelon your way through and you get to go past to the next thing. And then you get, you get to this rope swing thing over what they, a bog. They called it the slough. And it was slimy. It stank really bad. There was crocs in it, they said, not the shoes, the animal. And uh, you would have to swing over. And I'm like, man, I just thought about, how do these people plan this? Because it was like they measured the rope and said, how much rope do you need to get across? And then, you know, one little lady would be like, okay, take one foot less. You know, like, let them swing. Man, most of us all, like, would end up with work boots and clothes. You weren't allowed to change for the rest of the day in the slough every single morning. Drag yourself out. And then, who's there? Oh, that happy, dry, early morning court martial guy who's, like, course martial. He's like, attitude check. How do you feel? Like, oh, I feel wet and dirty and angry. I'm just going to kill somebody, right? But my response was, I feel good. Oh, I feel so good. Uh, and I moved my way on. You know, we would do this, and you'd hear, you'd hear kids, like 2,000 kids there, teenagers, and they would, they would yell this stuff. And, and then at the end, you know, by the end of the weeks, uh, some of us actually got to complete it. And you'd go to the end, and your whole team would they'd pull you up over a wall, and you'd get to the other side, and then they'd ask you, how did you check? How do you feel? Like, I feel good. Oh, I feel so good. Oh, right? Like, I'm tired, but man, there was something. And what were they doing? We didn't realize it at the point till later on when we ended up in these foreign countries where things were not like home. And there was all kinds of these things where things didn't go the way we planned. It was worse than sleeping in tents. There was all these things. But this reminder, it was ingrained in us that no, no matter what we faced, we could choose the attitude of, oh, I feel good. Oh, I feel so good, even if I don't. But I'm going to choose that attitude. I'm going to choose that attitude. And, that, and that's kind of this, this thought of the attitude check, because maybe that's you today. Maybe things are not going well in your life, and you have the choice to go through it in one way or say, no, you know what? Attitude check. Maybe i got to look at this. Or maybe you're at odds with somebody, and it is this thing where they're saying, hey, come to the same attitude with another believer. You're like, ugh, I don't know how. Well, Paul's asking these women to check their attitudes and what? To settle, to settle uh, or resettle their thoughts and feelings about each other. Philippians 4.2, here's what he says. Again, I appeal to Yodian Sintich, please, because you belong to the Lord, 
settle your disagreement or come to the same attitude. That's how it's literally translated. He says, I know you've got reasons to disagree. We all do. We all have reasons to disagree. But he says, let me let you know, you have one thing in common. Let me help you find the place to start. You have one thing in common. When it comes to the church, when it comes to the believer, he's like, you actually have one thing that's more important in common than anything else. You belong to the Lord. You're in the same family. He's like, you're on the same team. If there's disagreements between you as, a, as believers, he's like, remember that you're on his team. Remember that you're in his family. At least have the same mind on that. You may have tons of reasons for having, you know, the attitude you have, but there's also these reasons for unity. And so now we're chapter two. Paul begins chapter two with his checklist for them. And he says this, Philippians two, verse one. He, he says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? I, I know we'd love to just like book it right through this, but just read them slowly for a second. This is what he's writing to them. What about you? If you slowly think about this, just ponder it for a moment. Is there any encouragement in your life from belonging to Christ? Regardless of what else is going on in your life. I was like, yeah, you know what? There really truly is simple encouragement in knowing I'm his. It's, it, it almost makes not, not forget about everything else, but it casts a different light on that. I'm, I'm his. Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any comfort knowing, man, he, he loves me? No matter what, there's nothing I can do that can change his love. Is there any fellowship together in the spirit? Do you have any buddies that family members, people in your life, they would, only, they would never be in your life except for Jesus? It's like the brothers from other mothers we've talked about. It's the ones where it's like you and, and them connect because of Christ. That's us tonight. That's why we're here in the same room. And then he says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? How did that happen? Something changed on the inside. Did that happen to you? And so Paul's asking, he's like, hey, read this slowly. Here's kind of your, like, your, your attitude check. And maybe you find out in those spots where, where you may need an adjustment. I remember, you know, uh, driving the big rigs back in the day. I have to do the circle check beforehand all the time. And you go around and you had to look at the brakes, the slack adjusters on the brakes and, and measure them. It's the dirtiest job. And to be honest, we didn't do it all the time. Uh, and, but you'd have to push the brakes and, and, and check and see, are they an adjustment or do they need an adjustment? And if they do, you know, you can't do it. You're not trained for that. So you have to send it into the shop and but if you don't make the adjustments, I remember, driving, uh, one, I remember driving one load for a company and they said, oh, no, it's all good. Our mechanics checked it. So I'm like, sweet, hopped in the truck. I drove a few hours away, uh, dropped the load, slept there overnight, got up in the morning, I lifted the hood and I opened it up and the slack adjusters were two and a half inches. And two inches is like the max it can be. Like you're in danger zone when you're anywhere past two inches. I'm like, uh, I did not use the brakes that much on the way here. Like this, something is not right. And realize I, I can't even drive home uh, from this place because it would be dangerous. And it's the same with our own lives. It's like if we don't take a look at our lives and see is there, if there's attitudes, the, our mindsets that are settled that may need adjustment, it actually can lead to dangerous things. Have you ever had it where you've got, you've got a mindset, an attitude about something and somebody brings it up and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, where did those words come from? There's a settled mind about that. And sometimes, sometimes they need the adjustment. So that's the question. What, uh, what in my life might I need to resettle my thoughts and feelings on? Is it people? Is it topics? Is it issues? Maybe I've got the right attitude about it, but maybe I don't. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 2. He says, so, 
He's like, if there's any, anything on that list, you know, where you're like, yes, I'm, there's comfort of his love, there's fellowship with the Spirit, there's all these things. He says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly. What does that word mean? Same word. Have the same attitude uh, with each other. Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. I, the, the English person decided they would, like, make it sound different. Because Paul just basically says, make me truly happy by having the same attitude as each other. Love one another and work together with the same attitude as each other. Like, he repeats it over and over. It's the same words he wrote to Yodi and Sintich. Have the same attitude. Settle your thoughts and feelings around the things that matter more. So that when the disagreements come, it's like, wait a second. No, no, no. We're brothers. We're sisters. We're on the same team. We're in the same family. So, So this other stuff... What matters more? Well, he says, make me happy. And to me, I was like, that sounds like dad language. You know, if you have kids, especially if you have multiple kids, um, there's few things that make me happier in life than when my kids are at peace with each other. And it's probably because there's few things that annoy me more when they don't. <laughs> when they're at each other, it's like, oh, I just, why can't you just love each other? And I'm like, oh, I hear my dad's voice in my mind when I say that. Why, why can't you just love each other? Why can't you be at peace with each other? But it's truly, it makes them happy. And here's what Paul says, you know, Paul, uh, you know, maybe we'd say to him, Paul, that's great to say. You know, have the same attitude. That's fine that you wrote this thousands of years ago, but how do you do it? And I think he would just say, well, I'm glad you asked. Because here's how, verse 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. He's like, here's my secondary checklist for you. Here's the adjustment. Don't be selfish in the sense of thinking, how does this affect me? You know, I'm at odds with this person, but I'm going to dig my heels in because I'm just thinking about how it affects me. You know, the thing about don't try to impress others is actually a political term from back then. Don't try and win the office uh, deceitfully. Don't try and gain at somebody else's expense, especially another believer. Don't, don't try and win at their loss. Don't try and gain at, at their expense. And I thought about it. You know when kids play soccer? You ever watch those little kids play soccer? And then, they, you know, the one kid doesn't pass the ball to the other, and then they start fighting. I was like, those kids, some of those kids never grow up. I found uh, actual, you know, adults literally fighting with each other on the field. Well, the other team goes along and just scores a goal, right? I'm like, <laughs> the refs and the other guys are like, you're on the same team. Have you forgotten that you're on that there's a different mission that you're on the same team? And then you know I was reminded of this thing. Uh, this guy is driving home in a snowstorm and he can't see nothing. And, and all of a sudden the windshield wiper goes. And he sees the back end of a car and he slams into the car. He's like, oh, and gets out and he looks. He's like, oh, phew, at least I got the other guy worse. Uh, you know, worse than me. Worse than he got me. And then he looks up and he's like, oh, that's my house and this is my dr- and that's my wife's car. And it's like, you know, you're in the same family. It's like, why are you thinking, oh, I, I got them worse than they got me? You're in the same family. And then he talks about just being humble. Humility is, uh, Rick Warren said it this way, being humble isn't thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. It's like in those moments where we're like, oh, at odds, strong, settled feelings about things with, against other people. Where's, the, where's that ground of commonality? Where's the, the same attitude that I can have? And he says, it's not just your own interests. Not just looking at me, my, and mine. That's actually the words he uses. Don't look out just for me, my, and mine. And it's, I don't know about you, but it's difficult, isn't it? It's so easy to think about me, my, and mine. I was like, I was born that way. It's like, that, that's my go-to. And it's not comfortable thinking outside of that box. It's like trying to wear somebody else's shoes. It's like a little kid, you know, wearing their adult shoes or worse, you know, wearing high heels. It's not, it's just not comfortable thinking about their perspective because it's like, no, you know, I I feel like I have really strong feelings. I think I'm right. 
But uh, the question sometimes is, why, why do they have such settled feelings? Why do they have that attitude about this topic? And I think if we slow down enough, especially with other believers, to ask that question, we may find out there's a story. There usually is. There's usually a reason. There's usually a story. There's something at the back that says this is why they're feeling that way. All it takes for us sometimes is taking the time to ask. I was just always reminded of the story of a guy riding on a train. He's kind of out of it. He's just sort of looking in a daze, and his kids are just running wild in the train car, and the people are getting agitated because they're, like, bumping into them. And, and then finally this, this lady tells the man, she's like, would you get control of your kids? And he snaps out of it. He's like, oh, oh I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They're usually not like this. He's like, and he's like, I'm sorry. And uh, he just simply says, you know, we're, we're just on our, on our way home from the funeral home. Their mom passed away in an accident. And all of a sudden, everything changes in the train car. Everybody's like, oh, 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 hold on. Oh, well, what can we do for these, little, these kids, right? And it's all, hey, do you want a candy? Do you? Everything changes in the moment. Why? Because of the story. There's something there where, where something gets changed as a result. And, you know, we don't have time to dig into everybody's story, especially in our culture. And you can't, you can't, like, you know, everybody you disagree with on YouTube and on Facebook and all this, Twitter. There's no way. But Paul's thing is, hey, if it's in the church, if it's, it's, if it's among you, and, I, and I'm not actually, tonight, this message isn't for anybody in particular. You might be like, who's he talking to? Nobody. It's just Philippians 2 talked about this. And I know some of you are like, what? But no, no, it's really, it's really not. But I believe that if it happened back then, it can happen today. That there's these things where there's these, these opportunities, these opportunities for unity. So Paul actually writes to, uh, to them in, in chapter 2 a little later. He actually tells them, here's a good example for you. And we already want to thank Jesus, but he says, no, it's, it's Timothy. Philippians 2 verse 20, he says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. He's just, that's what his decision is. Verse 21, he says, all the others, they care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Paul says, hey, you know, Timothy, here, here's, here's a great example of somebody who actually cares about other people. as trying to have that same attitude uh, as them, what, looking out for their, um, their interests. And says, here, here's an inspiration. But the inspiration for the attitude adjustment, even for Timothy, was it's not about what matters to me. It's not even about what matters to them. It's what matters to Christ. What matters most to him. And so as we wrap this up, Paul writes this beautiful piece of poetry to describe the attitude of Jesus. Let me just read it to you. We read it earlier, Philippians 2 verse 5. He says, you must have the same attitude. And there he's the same words again. He's like, you've got to have the same attitude as Jesus. It's not even about having the same attitude as all of them. If you'll have the same attitude as Jesus, and they'll have the same attitude as Jesus, and they'll have the same attitude as Jesus, you will have found that same attitude, uh, the, the thing you have in common. And he says this, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. And that's that word bondservant. He says he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. And therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The one who is all and in all didn't care just about himself. He cared about me and he cared about you. It's it's incredible. The one who didn't have to. The one who wasn't at odds. You know, he took the humble position of a bondservant, which is that that grateful servant to say, I'm, I'm going to put their interests above my own. 
He humbled, and it's, it's actually the word verb. It's something he did. He's like, he humbled himself, how? By obedience to God and dying on the cross. And he's simply those words, not my will, but yours. I, I'm not just here for me. And man, that is a hard thing for us. It's a difficult thing for us. Um, and some might read this and, you know, you read to the, you skip the first part and jump to the last. God exalted him, did all this great stuff for him. He's the highest place. And you're like, this is the recipe for success. We're going to talk about how to misread scripture another day, but that's how. You know, it's like if I do A, B, and C, I'm this, God's going to do this for me, and it's not what it is. It's not a recipe for success as much as it's an opportunity for unity. To have that same attitude as Jesus along with other followers of Jesus, you realize what matters most or what matters more or who matters more, you find those, those places. And so to be honest, there's a part of us, a part of me that says, I don't want to do that. Anybody else? Nobody raises hands for that usually. But, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And maybe I would say to you, well, me neither. Hey, hey, we agree. <laughs> right? We were in agreement on that. You know, because it's often inconvenient. It's often uncomfortable. And sometimes it feels impossible because sometimes you're like, man, I know that person that there's a face in my mind that I'm like, Ugh. I, I, I feel like I'm Yodia and they're Sintich. I know who this is. And, and I've tried, but I can't do it. Maybe it's in your marriage or maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in church or at work or wherever it may be in your small group. Like, man, it's like it's impossible. But Paul finishes this whole thought with these words, and I would just like to leave them with you. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show what? The results of your salvation to show those results of the things that have happened in here. How? By obeying God. Why? With a deep reverence and fear for who he is. He's just explained who Jesus is. He's like, have a deep reverence and awe for who God is and, and, and be obedient in that. And he says this, love it. He says, because I'm confident that God is working in you. And we sang that tonight. This is where it comes from. God's working in you. What's he doing? He's giving you the desire. Because maybe so you don't have it. Sometimes I don't have it. I don't have that desire, but he's like, you know, I'm going to give you the desire, but I'm also going to give you the power, the ability to do what pleases me. As I think about some of those things, what's his greatest desire? That we would be in unity. It's what Jesus prayed about. It's what Paul's saying, please get to that spot where you're, where you're in unity. I think over the last couple of years, that's probably my greatest regret, is how much of that disunity even happened us, with us as a church. So why do I say this? Because I, I think that this may be not something that we can maybe, well, maybe we're going to be able to mend some relationships and that that's just like, as he leads you in that. But I think it's bigger than that. To be honest, I feel like this is like the, uh, the, the, the marshal at the, at the um, teen uh, boot camp. And feeling that same way, asking people, hey, attitude check. How do you feel? Oh, we feel good. Oh, we feel so good. It's spring. Everything's great. You know, it's going to be good. We have no idea what's coming. We have no idea where God's going to take this church. We have no idea what his plan is for us, uh, and, and we have no idea what the world's plan is for us either. And it may not be pretty at times, and there may be other things that come up. It's like, oh, we're going to, I'm settled on this. You know what? I was fine with COVID, but monkeypox, deal breaker, whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. Can we not go through that all again? Can we in that spot say, you know what? <laughs> help me, Jesus, help me to see. Help me to see what matters most. That's the part I believe is for me more than anyone in this room. But that he would give us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God, help me in this. To know the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ. To settle my feelings and my thoughts on who matters more than necessarily what matters more. And then to maintain that attitude 
maintain the attitudes that are right because some of them are and you cannot you cannot change those ones the ones that are right they need to stay there and the courage to check and adjust the ones that are not and overall ultimately that he would be pleased that he would be pleased i think as a church we'll have more more opportunities because the enemy his his mission is division he will never give up on that and now i hope we're ready for him attitude check how do you feel On that note, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to reveal you as our Father. Such a, oh, just, I I don't even know how to describe that peace, knowing that we can come before you, knowing we're loved, knowing that you've done everything needed for us to stand in your presence, forgiven, made righteous, blessed. Lord, tonight as we look at your word and we just see sometimes the, how, how far we have to go yet, God, we're also grateful that you are still working, that you continue working in us. Lord, you, you know where we're headed. You're already there. Lord, I pray that you would do in our hearts and lives through your word this week and even tonight so that we're ready for when we arrive there. Lord, that above all, you would be glorified, that we would not lose sight of the mission or the vision, that we would not be sidetracked even one little bit, but that your kingdom would continue to come and, and grow and your will would be done in and through our lives. Lord, may you be glorified, I pray above all, in our lives and through this church. For you deserve nothing less. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Can I throw a few... Um, Questions up on the screen for you to consider. Number one, what jumped out of you from today's talk? Um, and you can take a picture of this one because it's maybe gone in a, in a little bit. But what, um, what attitudes, what, and that word, that, when you think attitude, what settled ways of thinking and feeling do you have that might need a check today? What are some of the things you're like, man, this is, this is how I feel about things. Or you're like, uh, I, might need to, I might need to check this. They're not always negative. They're not always bad. They're just strong. And then finally, or third, um, why do you think it's so difficult for people to have the same attitude? And I would say add into that even in the church. Why is it so difficult for them to have the same attitude? And then I ask why again. I don't know why I did that. And then finally, what most inspires you in Paul's poem about Jesus and why? And that's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. I encourage you to, to maybe just you know, even read it and ponder it. Uh, and what, what jumps out to you? So maybe tonight you're going to have a chance to chat as a, as a small group. Maybe it's just going to be a couple of you talking. I love seeing that happen afterwards and praying together. It it's blesses my, my soul. Maybe you're going to be in the back uh, at the cafe. You might only have that one, one question to ask. Hey, what jumped out at you today? Please do it. Let Holy Spirit continue to dig deep in your hearts and... Uh, Looking forward to see what he does in and through our church as we continue seeking him, serving him, and serving our world. Have a great rest of your night. You're dismissed.